You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on your Wednesday afternoon. Hope everybody's having a good Wednesday. We are here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM. Join into the show at 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Phone lines are open. We want to hear from you. We want to know what you want to talk about. Talk to us today. Whatever's on your mind in the sports universe, come at us with it. We'll bring the heat. Find Levi and I on Twitter at Point Gardner and at Levi Fitzwater. Levi, the conversation I believe now is shifting on Sharif Cooper. It's no longer of can he go pro, it's will he. And now after looking at some mock drafts that are shifting around, Sharif Cooper looks to be at least a top 20 prospect when you're looking at the 2021 NBA draft originally after we saw him play against Alabama you and I have talked about this at length over the past week and a half about his true NBA prospects and after only three games I think we've seen his draft stock take a hefty leap and I don't know if we've seen at least an Auburn player experience that type of a jump just by playing three games of course people thought this guy was an NBA prospect before his sneakers even touched the floor in a live action college basketball game but we didn't know to what degree and if you didn't play at all this year you wonder if that was enough to bring him back for next season to be able to play because you wonder if if NBA teams are willing to take any type of shot without any collegiate film well now they've got collegiate film and it's evident based on the mock drafts that are out there that he is a bona fide top 20 prospect in the NBA draft that's not a shocker but he's a lot closer to top 15 than maybe you and I were giving him credit for a couple of days ago or, or a week ago, really. It seems that he's really uh, he's really gotten into this top 25 range, top 20 range of what, you know, is most mock drafts at this point, most big boards. So, I've, I mean, I've even seen comparisons to a young Kyrie Irving floating out there. Just magic with the ball can really create – off of his special talent. So, again, it, the question has shifted. It's not, it's not can he, but it's will he at this point. And Auburn fans shouldn't be nervous about you know not having him. It's still going to be a really talented team next year, but they should start to really think that he this might be his only season at Auburn, and this might be – you might just have to watch the rest of the season. It really just depends on what does Sharif Cooper – value does he value going to the league does he value getting the money or does he value staying in college with an attempt or with the potential to win an sec championship and even a national championship and again neither one of those are i'm not trying to say that one's right one's wrong i don't want it to come across like that it really just depends on 
where where do his values align? What does he want to do personally? It's not can he, and it's not if he's if he's going to be drafted or if he's going to be drafted near that lottery location. It's will he decide to take that step to the next level? Bleacher Report's mock draft. This one was from six days ago. Has him at fourteenth to the Houston Rockets via pick from the Oklahoma City Thunder maybe I'm just a reserved person when I'm making opinions on things and that goes along with our theme of yesterday's show talking about some of the coaches and I'm a little bit more reserved on like Carnell Williams based on his two-year track record than maybe most people are and that's just an example of one thing but maybe I'm just more reserved than others but only having three games of collegiate film and this isn't me disparaging Sharif Cooper or anything I just figured that maybe his draft stock would have been a little bit lower but good for him that already he's at 14th because if we've already seen him begun to climb draft boards it will only continue as teams get more and more film on this guy especially if his shot comes around especially if the three-point shot starts falling like if Almer gets hot at the end of this season right here and really beginning now with the end of this month and then all the way through February if Almer gets hot and he's the main proponent of that and he and he is the one dropping all of the threes and 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 he's he gets scorching hot shooting the basketball too off the dribble good gracious right because we've already seen and and you brought this up I think you brought this up to me that John Rothstein compared him to Kyrie Irving and the the biggest issue that I have with that comparison right now very similar ball handlers very similar with the basketball in their hands and what they want to do with it Kyrie Irving just had a three-point shot going into the league now, that, that's a lot of what he does I, I view Kyrie Kyrie can score the ball from anywhere on the floor Sharif Cooper hasn't shown that yet he's primarily just scored at the rim as his game extends away from the bucket and he can start knocking down shots he's going to have a shot really to climb draft boards here because Kyrie Irving was a number one overall draft pick it's dangerous to make some comparisons like that without a jump shot yet not going against John Rothstein here because that is the college basketball that's the guy in college basketball as far as an analyst go I see the comparison as far as handling and whatnot that shot just has to start falling for Sharif but I just thought it was interesting to open this show today because we've been heavy on this topic and we see Sharif Cooper climbing some draft boards right now I think the conversation is shifting on our show now of saying it's not it's not a matter now of anymore of how high he can get drafted it's now a matter of will he return and I think he's a guy, and I'm still standing on my I'm, – I'm about 50-50 now on if he's going to go pro or not into, into the NBA after this season. I, I'm about 50-50 on it. And my reasoning for that is – and maybe I'm weighing the 50% that he returns more. Hopefully that that's not wishful thinking. But I feel like he loves Auburn. He put a lot of emphasis on, on sticking around. He stuck through all of this stuff with the NCAA, all this mess with the NCAA. He decided to return – he loves Auburn. I, I, You could just tell that he wanted to play ball for Auburn based on his teammates' reactions for having him out there. It obviously meant a lot to everybody that that he got to play here. Now, now, is that more about him just getting to play the game that he loves, or is that more about Auburn? And I think we'll see more of that as his career goes on throughout this season. As the season progresses, I think we'll see more about that. It just Nothing has ever just spoke to me right away with Sharif Cooper like, oh, this guy's making the jump immediately. That, And I know people have talked about him as a one-and-done candidate straight out the gates. I've just never quite gotten there. For some reason, I just have this feeling inside me that this guy wants to run with his guys next year. 
and have a shot at a national championship. But maybe that's wishful thinking. Maybe that's the way that I would think if I was in his shoes. Maybe I would value that a little bit differently. But then again, if I was in his shoes and there's copious amounts of money that could be thrown my way too, I might think differently as well. It's just there's no way there, there, there's no way to know how there's any type of leaning there. And it makes you it, it makes you think, man, what if this team got to play in the tournament this year? But also, it, it's good for this team's development that they haven't had that type of pressure on them all year. They've just been able to learn from losses, not be able to take them too too hard on themselves, not not have to scrutinize themselves too dip, with too much difficulty. They've just been able to play and, and let loose and, and develop, and I think that's really helped this team develop a lot this year. They've stayed locked in and focused. Next season is just going to be so talented, and you'd love to see him be at the head of it at point guard. I don't think we know what Auburn's really going to do about the point guard position until we know more about his decision, which at this moment – we're midway through January. At this moment, you're about, what, would that be two and a half months? Aren't those decisions typically made in like April, May? That, that, that general time window is when you see guys make those decisions after the college basketball season ends. That's when you really see that. Auburn season is going to end a lot quicker than everybody else's because they're not even going to be participating you know, in any type of postseason action. Auburn's will end in early March, and that is it. And I, and I feel like you'll know something you know pretty soon thereafter that point if he's going to be returning or not. What a boost it would be if he, if he were to come back next year to join this talented roster. It might actually help Auburn by not being postseason eligible this year for Sharif Cooper to come back. Sure. Because that's one thing that kind of would sway him to come back that he didn't get a chance to do while he was at college. And just to kind of go back on the Kyrie comparisons, it's really not – too terribly far off when you see a guy like Kyrie Irving who had a lot of just great ball handling skills coming out of college and also you got to factor in Kyrie didn't play a lot in college either he only played about 11 games at Duke and he did come in with a better reputation as a three-point shooter but at Duke he didn't shoot the ball as much I mean he was attempting about three three three-pointers a game making about 1.6 on average per those games but it was noted from other things and he he was just from his uh recruiting out of high school that he was a better three-point shooter than Sharif Cooper he's got about two inches on Sharif Cooper as well from what I'm looking up here so those comparisons aren't too terribly far off there's just I don't want to say this in a negative way it's just he's a little bit of a step down from Kyrie at this current moment 100 that's why he's 14th in the mock draft and not first and not one and yep. that's and that's nothing because Kyrie coming out was an exceptional basketball player and was a consensus number one even after playing just eleven games at Duke. Similar situations but different. Kyrie missed a lot of that season at Duke. His one year at Duke with an injury. Yes, he missed. The, what was that? An ACL injury that year? I don't know. He he missed a lot of that season at Duke. I don't think it was an ACL injury. I don't know. You, you'll find that I think for it was, me. If I remember correctly, it was around. It was some sort of ankle injury, if sure. I'm not mistaken. And he missed. Nearly the entire year comes back in the NCAA tournament and people got to view him at the most important time of the year. And of course, Kyrie Irving, people still knew what type of talent he was and the the Cavs decided to take him. And, you know, it worked out all right. They got a title out of it. And of course, they got a title out of it because of LeBron too. But Kyrie Irving was a big part of that and and being able to take down the Warriors too. If if the Cavs don't have Kyrie, they they don't win that title. So Kyrie's just as much responsible for that championship in Cleveland. For sure, for sure. It was a toe injury. Toe injury? I knew it was something with the foot. How long was, did he miss? 
he missed I mean he missed most of the year I think he only played like the first few games um and then missed a lengthy amount of time so now what I'm gathering is and I made this joke over the weekend on Twitter three months he missed like three months wow in his first year at Duke go find me on Twitter at Point Gardner I made this joke I said who knew Patrick Mahomes was Achilles with a big toe issue though you know Achilles big thing was you could take him down if you got him on the Achilles apparently Patrick Mahomes is his big toe but the same can be said I guess about Kyrie and so yeah we're going to keep up to date with this though continue to monitor Sharif Cooper across draft boards throughout the year see how his draft stock is trending because this might be and of course we saw what happened last year with Isaac Okoro Isaac Okoro got a full season and that got him to what seventh eighth it got him into that mid lottery location he was a top 10 pick nonetheless it gets Isaac Okoro into the top 10 of the NBA draft Sharif Cooper's played three games and it's got him inside the top 15 what does this look like as the year goes on for his trajectory and I think I think the one thing that it comes down to for Sharif Cooper is his scoring ability how that develops over this next stretch and he's got a chance to to try and get that shot to go down against Arkansas he's on the road against the Razorbacks tonight with the rest of his team of Tigers and this feels like an exorcism game Auburn people out there might be wondering, what what do you mean by exorcism game? I mean, Auburn's got to get some demons out of the way going into this game against Arkansas. This is this is their first time with this new group of, of Tigers, now including Sharif Cooper, for them to go and beat a team. It's their first rematch game of the SEC schedule, the first time they've played somebody twice. This Arkansas team, up to this point, Auburn has beaten two teams that are of subpar skill levels I believe in the SEC of course that Kentucky team is three and two they were three and one when Auburn was playing them but look they're four and eight this is not the same Kentucky team everybody expected Auburn to beat Kentucky on Saturday Bruce Pearls even said this he he said if Auburn is to win this game on Wednesday night tonight that it would be Auburn's best win of the season and I would agree with that I know this Arkansas team has slid to two and four in conference play over their next four games we laid this out yesterday on on the podcast you can go and find that wherever you get your podcast we laid out that this is probably the most attainable of the difficult matchups moving forward over these next four games Auburn will play 19th ranked Missouri next week at home they'll play number two Baylor on the road next Saturday so some brutal games coming up for Auburn not not as much so this weekend against South Carolina but of these next four of the big games those three against Arkansas Missouri and Baylor we said that this is probably the most attainable victory but I feel like this is an exorcism game for Auburn because they are going to have to stare straight into the eyes their demons the things that have held them back this season they're going to have to stare at it defensively they're going to have to be locked in and focused for 40 minutes absolutely absolutely focused if they're going to keep this Arkansas team off the scoreboard and then and then on top of that they're going to have to find a way to to not turn the basketball over against a team that's good at turning teams over. It's it's simple as that. That's what they have to do. They have to not turn the basketball over on the road and really just it's not just and like you said, it's an exercising of demons, but it's also this change exercising of demons. You got exerc- them doing jumping jacks. <laughs> isn't that an, isn't that an Eminem lyric? Maybe. I think so. I, I, I I'll think look, so. We'll look it up during the break. But they, this also really defines this next stretch for them. This is what defines it. Because, like we said, this is the most attainable of those, the big games. Like It said, sets the tone. It sets the tone for this series. And, I mean, you go into this game and you lose, you go into that South Carolina game with a little bit of less you know, confidence in yourself. Maybe you 
don't beat South Carolina or you don't play as well against them. And then you go into Missouri with a little bit of a shaken team and maybe it just falls off the rails from there. This game is big from a tone perspective for what's up to come in this schedule. And it's, it's simple. We said it all season. They got to limit the turnovers. It's easy. You go back and look at the box score of of this game back in December. December 30th, 2020, Auburn had 19 turnovers to Arkansas's 10. That's it. Auburn shot better. They they did have four less field goals in that game, but they shot a higher percentage. They hit 15 threes to Arkansas's nine. They, they even had 18 assists to Arkansas's 13. As a team on offense, Auburn performed better than Arkansas, I felt like. But Arkansas scored 97 points on Auburn because they had 13 steals. Auburn had 19 turnovers. That's got to change. Plain and simple. If they're going to win this game, we'll keep talking about it. We'll get a scouting report for you on Arkansas, and we'll keep discussing this game moving forward. we got an SEC News Roundup coming up on the other side of this break here on On the Line. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Phone lines are open, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. We want to hear from you. Anything on your mind, sports-related, Auburn, SEC, beyond, whatever you want to talk about. Philip Rivers hanging it up. We'll get to that later on in the show, but it's time for, like I said yesterday, we want to start an SEC News Roundup segment, kind of hitting on some of the topics happening around this league and beyond. And we'll start with something that we were horribly wrong about yesterday. Alabama basketball annihilated LSU 105-75. to Will this team ever cool off? Levi, you're raising your hand politely. What's up, man? <laughs> if you ever hear me on this radio show say anything in the opposite direction about Alabama, we're just doomed go, to failure. Just go ahead and fade sure. me. Just go ahead. The track record is there at this point. Just I hopped fade on me. your boat yesterday, and we sank together, man. Fade me in my opinions about Alabama. They are always wrong. So well, just with like five minutes left, LSU only had like 59 points. This is a whole lot uglier than I think the score even suggests. Look, guys, LSU got that final 16 points or whatever against Alabama's backups. This is, I felt like this score was uglier than, than losing by 30. And it's it's simple. It's not surprising. It's simple when you look at it, literally just from some of the most basic stats on the score. Alabama shot 55%. LSU, 37% from the field. Three-pointers, Alabama, 53.5%. LSU, 19.2%. It's simple as that. When you look at literally just those two stats and then free throws, Pretty even. Alabama still had an edge at 66.7%. So Yeah, I mean, but LSU made eight more. They shot a lot more. That was the one thing. So we, that was so the what, only thing. <laughs> what we talked about yesterday going into it was this was a clash of styles. Both teams like to play up-tempo, but what we meant in clash of styles was what LSU defends very well, Alabama did well. And what Alabama liked to do well, LSU defended very well. And this went reverse of what we thought was going to happen. I thought LSU was going to defend the arc well because they were like top in the league in opponent three-point percentage Alabama ends up setting an SEC record with 23 threes shooting 53 and a half percent from beyond the arc this was I know Alabama's beaten Tennessee already I know that they were six and oh in conference play coming into this this was the legitimizer game for me them beating LSU this is the one where I'm like this Alabama team's for real uh, of course, beating Kentucky by 20 is impressive. Auburn beat Kentucky. Mississippi State hung with them. This Kentucky team's down. Beating Tennessee earlier on in conference play, all right, whatever. Like they, 
Tennessee's bound to get upset at some point. And then you look at the and then you look at the score of yesterday's game, 75-49. Who could have ever predicted that? But don't act like you predicted 75-49. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you you just said win. And you were right. I'll give you credit there. I was wrong. I actually I scoffed at that. So my bad. You were you were hundred percent right. We'll get to that one. Tennessee rough forty eight to you know seventy two hour time period here for Tennessee fans because just when you think uh, we've we've still got basketball, right? We're a top six team in basketball. <laughs> then Thumped. that happens. Yep. And it was in Gainesville. And I think Tennessee will bounce back. No need to write off the volunteers. They're still a great basketball team. You're bound. We've seen Auburn teams get destroyed. And 75-49 looks bad because there's a four there. And it still looks bad if it was in the 50s. But it just looks worse considering they had 49 instead of in the 50s or something like that. It's still a 26-point loss to Florida, who hasn't been great, but still sticking with this Alabama team, they found a way to make their style of play work over LSU's, and they took away what LSU wanted to do. That's what's legitimizing to me about this Alabama game. They had to go and defend their first ranking since 2017. They had to go on the road to a notoriously hostile environment in any sport. LSU's one of the harder places to play in this league, regardless of sport, and this LSU team was hot going into it. LSU wanted to go and knock off Alabama. LSU's a ranked team if they beat Alabama, I think. They're, at least they're on the cusp of it. And Alabama controls the game in all, in all facets. It was 60-32 to 32 at halftime. They almost doubled up LSU in the first half. If it wasn't for taking out the backups, that's why I say this, this score doesn't do this game justice. The first half score does this game justice. This Alabama team... I asked the question, will they ever cool off? My answer is no. I've talked to several people that have said to me that they think this team may be peaking too early. I don't think so. I think this team legitimately right now is is setting themselves up for a Sweet 16 or beyond run in the NCAA tournament because they are they're controlling the game against every team in the SEC. The best teams that this league has to offer – They've, they've already been thrown at Alabama. Tennessee, Arkansas, LSU, the best teams have already been thrown at them. And they have controlled the game. They have not just won those games. They have controlled the game from start to finish against every single one of those teams. I think a lot of the reservation about this Alabama team comes from just the history. We had Jeremy Law, our you know, sure. friend of the show and resident Alabama guy in the group. Pretty much. And even he was talking about it's always when is it going to taper off because Alabama has had this history at least in basketball to kind of get hot a little early and then fall off at the end of the year but it's getting harder and harder to really believe that narrative is going to happen again because you keep looking at this team and every time someone writes them off oh they're going into Baton Rouge where LSU hasn't lost the game LSU defends a three probably better than most teams in this country definitely one of the top teams in you know this league about defending the three Alabama won't be able to do it they show up and win by 30, which doesn't even do it justice enough. You have, you know, John Petty, you know, in his, what, 20th, 15, 20th season at Alabama, just showing up, making eight three-pointers on 11 shots. I mean, this Alabama team is just a veteran group loaded with talent. Nate Shooters Oates is coming all around. over the Shooters. floor. I mean, this young guards are now beginning to develop. Like Josh Primo at the start of the year looks completely different oh, than man. Josh Primo last night and against Auburn. He, Josh Primo whew. had had 22 points last night. John Petty scores 24, and then Quinterly and I, I think it was Quinterly. Quinterly and Primo both score 22. This team 
has guard play that can carry you through the NCAA tournament. I, I say this, and I've been saying this for years, and, and I'm not the first to say it either. This is just the old adage is true. Guard play is going to carry you through the tournament when it gets to March, and Alabama's got it as deep as anybody in this league, and they're playing at a high level. Now, if this team gets cold, if the three ball's not dropping, this team will sink. But right now, the three ball's dropping. Now, But they have not proven to be a streaky team yet. I just have a hard time believing that 7-0 and and they've played the best the SEC has to offer right now. I have a hard time believing that that's streaky. They've played the most difficult stretch of their of their remaining schedule. Their, their schedule is a cakewalk from here out. A cakewalk. Now, the rest of January, they host Mississippi State, who, by the way, just scored 49 last night or 48 or whatever it was against Ole Miss. So they play Mississippi State on Saturday, and they've got them at home in Coleman Coliseum. Domination. They get Kentucky at home next week in the midweek. More domination. And then they've got Oklahoma on the road in the SEC Big 12 Challenge to wrap up January, which Oklahoma is the middle of the pack team at the Big 12, and Alabama should handle them. But that's not even a conference game. Exclude the Oklahoma game. Alabama's got a two-game lead on top of everybody, at least a two-game lead on top of everybody in the SEC right now. And I think that's enough probably to carry them through the rest of the year looking at the rest of their schedule. They'll play LSU and Missouri again in a tough back-to-back after Oklahoma to open up February. After that, this is their remaining schedule. And just take a look at the bottom feeders here. South Carolina, Georgia, Texas A&M, Vanderbilt. Just just let me barf now, please. That That is a terrible, terrible slate of games right there. And SEC play. And teams that just don't know how to score the basketball. Teams that just don't know what they're doing on offense. And then they get Arkansas on the road. But just look at what they just did to Arkansas. They're 2-4. and four. Then they get Mississippi State again. Ugh. And then Auburn is, is how they wrap up the regular season. Which will be a cataclysmic matchup at the end of the year. That's Auburn's tournament game. That's Auburn's last game of the regular season. Period. End stop. That's it. That is Auburn's last game of the season. They're going to give it everything they've got in that one. That one will be a fun one at the end of the year. But you look at the remaining schedule for Alabama. Gross. There's only a few teams that even seem capable of beating, of beating this them. Team. And most of them maybe. don't even seem close. Yeah, maybe. It doesn't even seem close. And they've the also part. cooled off. Like, Missouri's cooled off since yeah. not conference play. LSU just got thumped. It's going to be it's gonna be an interesting next month for Alabama basketball. And I, I don't know if they're going to cool off. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line. Noah Gardner here with you. Zach Blackerby of the Locked On Auburn Podcast joining us on the line this afternoon. Zach, how are you doing today, my man? I'm doing well, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great, and I uh, hope you're having an excellent Wednesday afternoon yesterday or or I guess it would be today's edition of the Locked on Auburn podcast we spoke about players for Auburn football that we thought would take their biggest steps forward in their career this upcoming season in 2021 yeah and and I want you to take me through not necessarily your entire list let's not spoil the episode away for folks but Take me through one guy that's catching your eye moving forward into next year's football season, 2021, for Auburn. Sure. I made a social post about this, kind of teasing it last night, and it's got some traction throughout the day-to-day, but I'll go with Romello Height, a guy that we you know, hadn't really heard his name much 
since the season started, you know, several months ago now at this point. And uh, I, I like what he brings to the table. I, I was really high on him last offseason. I thought kind of going into the season that, you know, throughout his Auburn career, this would be a guy that really developed. He's got the frame for it. His last name's Height. He's 6'5". Are you kidding me? I absolutely love it as a defensive end. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't expect a lot from him as a freshman. We didn't see him hardly at all as a freshman. He kind of disappeared, and that's okay. I don't think he'll disappear in 2021. I think he's got a chance to take a big step for the Tigers. And I kind of wanted to, you know, go a little bit deeper on the roster, too, just because we're going to talk about TD Moultrie a lot this offseason. That moves a linebacker. That's a story. We're going to talk about replacing Tut and replacing Sherwood with, you know, some of these, you know, defensive backs. So I'm like, you know what? Let's go with uh, let's go with Romello Height. So just kind of uh, change it up a little bit. And that's number five on your list. Imagine yeah. the guys forward of that. You know, four through one. So people need to go and check that episode out. And we agreed uh, with two guys, but yep. outside of that, we had a lot of different players, which I think is sure. good. I think it kind of made the exercise the topic. I thought it was uh, I thought it was pretty fruitful in our conversation. The guys we agreed on were uh, Bo Nix. And who was the other one? Well, I said a tight end, and you and you actually specifically named a tight end. I just said the tight end position. That's group, right. There, there would be a tight end. That's right. I said Brandon would... Frazier <laughs> specifically. You said the tight end position. Then we said Bo Nix. You and I ranked them in different spots, so I, I still think it's interesting to go go and check that out. But yeah, it's like what can Bo Nix do to like say, okay, yeah, he did take a step forward from twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one. Is it a stats thing? Is it a wins thing? Is it uh, is it just kind of you know? Does he stay in the pocket a little bit better? Is he more disciplined? There's a lot of different ways to measure that, especially when you talk about the quarterback. So, what does Bo Nix need to do to take a big step from 2020 to 2021? We talked about it a little bit on our conversation on Locked On Auburn, but I think it'd be interesting to have that here too. I think that for Bo Nix, you look at him versus good teams or ranked teams, really. And then that versus the bad teams, it's a completely different Bo Nix. Yeah. And it's some of it's tangible, some of it's what you're seeing, some of it's also like, what is wrong with this guy right now? What is it about playing a good team that it's just not working out? Because it may not be interceptions. It's not like he's going out there and throwing three picks a game when he right. plays a good team. It's just the offense doesn't click out there against those good teams. And of course that that that'll happen when you're playing elite defenses like Georgia and Alabama. Sure. But you'd still like to see more consistency across the board in the schedule. And so it may be more than just tendencies. Something's got to click for Knicks in this offense. Yeah, and how much of it is Knicks? How much of it is just the offense not working? How much of the offensive line, the running game not getting going? There's a lot of things. And I know a lot of Auburn fans want to blame Knicks, and that's part of being a quarterback, especially when you come in as a true freshman and are able to start. You're going to have some pressure on you, and rightfully so. That's part of it. And I don't think Knicks would have it any other way based on what I know about the guy. But, uh, yeah, I think you and I both agree that Bobo and Harson are going to be able to come in and help him fix some of the issues that he's had as well as the scheme. I think it's going to be a little bit more fit to his skill set. And, yeah, I think he could take a huge step. So, yeah, he is. Um, we both had him down. So that's one of the, the several guys that we talk about. You already mentioned Jamie and Sherwood leaving, and we yeah. haven't spoke about this since he made his decision. I guess that would be last Friday those, those reports broke about him taking yeah. off for the NFL draft. From an NFL standpoint, let, let's talk about Sherwood going to the next level because Auburn guys, we you know we want to see him get drafted. If you're taking off for the next level, you want to see him get that payday. Where does he slot in 
maybe a round range for us because I, th- I think it's hard to evaluate the you you've mentioned this several times it's hard to evaluate the safety position it's tough because so much of it is scheme related and tendencies and, and all of that and how much are you a film junkie and can you react to certain things that you see quickly I always ask the question when I'm when I'm scouting a player or scouting a recruit or whatever it's like what does this guy do well and Sherwood will hit the stew out of you but like he's not great in coverage in zone or man, he's a little bit better in man coverage and zone. And his first step is not great. I think there's a lot of Jamie and Sherwoods out there. And so as far as what do you do with a guy that's that size, some teams are going to love that. Some teams are going to be like, I don't think it's a safety. I don't think he's a linebacker and he's not going to be on draft boards. That's just going to be the way up. But there's going to be some guys like, this guy's a huge safety. I want that for certain packages, and you know maybe you can step them up in goal line situations, you know as a linebacker, and if you want to go heavy on third and short or something. There's going to be some teams that like him. There's going to be some teams that don't. There's also to be some teams that like the whole smack talking thing. And that's going to turn off some guys as well. You know he got into people's faces and just wanted to talk, even when Auburn was down two or three scores at times. It seems like. Um, so, I think he's a day three pick. I don't think he's going to be a guy that NFL teams are going to be dying to get in their locker room. Are you shocked that there are some reports out there that have suggested that he could be, you know, as high as round three or even like verge of day one? Because I am. I'm with you. I I am completely shocked that I've seen him evaluated, or at least not evaluated, but I've seen some reports of of articles mentioning that he could go that high. Day one, I think that's crazy. Um, Late day two... I'm okay with it as a flyer for a team that really trusts their ability to develop guys and maybe you're in a situation where you don't need them to play day one. Because, I mean, think like a scout for a second. You know what I mean? Where it's like, this guy is massive. You know, you got, you and uh, you guys talked about how big he was and how, you know, he he's really good at moving. He's bigger than Auburn's two starting linebackers right now. Yeah, there you go. And so... And, and and that size doesn't hinder his ability to move well. And so like, that's great. So as far as athleticism and raw ability, there's going to be teams that look at this guy and it's like, wow, the, the clay here is great. Can we mold it and make something nice and pretty out of it? And, and, and some teams will want that challenge and some teams won't. I don't know if it's a day two pick. I, am I shocked by that? No. But I guess I will be a little surprised if that does end up happening. Sure. I, I, I'm with you. I think he's somewhere, you know, rounds four through seven, I guess. And that would put him on Saturday. So, And I, I would say five or six if you, yeah. you know, if you made me pick a round, I would say five or six. Sure. Well, let's keep going forward. We, we've seen a, re, a higher since we've last spoke as well. And it's that wide sure. receiver coach, Auburn bringing in Cornelius Williams out of Troy. This is something that you and I have not talked about at all. Zero. This is the first time I'm getting your opinion mm-hmm. on this. Cornelius Williams as wide receiver coach uh the more I read about him the more I'm like okay cool this makes sense you hear guys that know him personally and have played for him in the past whether they're tweeting or making blog posts about it saying like okay Auburn's wide receiver room just got better uh I'm fine with it it's a very boring hire but as is a lot of this staff sure and that's not necessarily a bad thing it's just okay cool I think I think Harson got a guy that kind of lines up with his philosophy as far as he just wants to come in work and win football games the thing about coming from Troy is very similar to him getting all these guys from the Mountain West a lot of Boise guys coming in and it's like okay they've succeeded at a high level at their level of competition can it translate 
Can you know the way you coach wide receivers in the Sun Belt? Is it that much different than the way you coach wide receivers in the SEC? And it's probably not, but the way you recruit is. And in Harson's opening or in his press conference, and one of the quotes in the presser that they put out, you know, he he kind of praised his Alabama roots, being a Birmingham native, and his recruiting tenure when when he was at Troy, his ability to recruit Alabama and Georgia really well. And it's like, that's an interesting, that's an interesting way to go about describing and defending this hire. Not that it was under attack, but just kind of saying, hey, this is why I did it. I thought that was interesting. Well, it's probably viewed as underwhelming. There's a stigma against the schools like Troy in this area. But as far as, you know, making that transition from Boise to Auburn or Troy to Auburn, it's um, it's the, the big question is, is it going to translate? Mm-hmm. And it's like it could. In fact, if I had to bet, I think it will translate. But there's just no way to know until it happens. But you could say the same about Harson. You could say the same about Jeff Schmetting, the, the linebackers coach they brought in. You can say the same about pretty much any coach on this staff, with the exception of maybe the Derek Mason. And well, see, I Bobo's been out of the game for so long as like a coordinator at a, at a substantial university, like at South Carolina. No talent, so I'm not going to blame him for that. The previous four or five years, he's been at Colorado right. State as a head coach, so I'm wondering, and, and I've been super high up on that hire, but the, the devil's advocate point to Bobo, if somebody wants to get into an argument with me, is has the game passed him by? Hmm. Has, has he stayed with the times? And I think he has, but we'll see. We, we will have to see about that. I would say the two guys that I think maybe, you know, you know the, the, that isn't the question about is possibly Tracy Rocker and Derek Mason. But just because of the the years and years of experience, but they both have their knocks too that people are going to bring up as well. There's there's something about everybody on this staff that somebody could point out is like, all right, here, here's the main question for this guy. Like Rocker, people all over the place bringing up recruiting with Rocker. They know the development's there, but is the recruiting there for Rocker? And then Derek Mason as well. It's been a little while since he's been a defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Kind of a similar boat as Bobo. At least he's been in the league for the past six, seven years. Yeah. Yeah, and, and a guy like Zach Etheridge, where it's like, can yep. he take that step? You look at his path, his career path, and it's like he's gotten better, whether it's a better job or a better school or, or you know, athletics department every step of the way. People like, like him. Totally. And so it's like, well, he translates. He's probably my favorite hire of this whole coaching staff outside of, you know, take out the coordinators, just look at position hires. He's probably my favorite hire so far when you talk about Zach Etheridge. But it's still the same question. It's like, is the level of competition, is it going to translate across that? Once again, I think a lot of these will, but you still have to be cautious. You still got to ask the question. Let's switch gears here to Auburn basketball. Right. We'll, 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 we'll talk about tonight's game against Arkansas coming up. The Tigers over their next four games at Arkansas, at South Carolina, versus a 19th ranked Missouri this week, their 19th. We'll see if they're 19th next week. Yeah. And then at Baylor in Waco, Texas, number two team in the country coming into this week in the poll. That's how Auburn wraps up January. This feels like alongside South Carolina. South Carolina, of course, everybody you know is going to expect that to be the winnable game. Of the good teams left over this four-game stretch, this appears to be the one that's winnable with the way that Arkansas has gone and the way that Auburn has gone. So can you sell me on Auburn winning this game? I, I think so. I don't think Arkansas is the same team they were when they really handled Auburn a few weeks ago. And I was really skeptical of Arkansas going into that game. And it's like, you know, I think they were undefeated at the time. And it's like, okay, well, they hadn't played anybody. And then they line up against Auburn, and it's like, wow, they were definitely the better basketball team. Auburn almost allowed 100 points to these guys. Yeah. 
And really, since then, their offense hasn't been the same. Um, and, you know, they've, they've lost games against good teams. Great teams. And I think when you look at this Auburn team, does anything happen prior to Sharif Cooper? Is it relevant now? And I don't think it is. And sure. so I think Auburn's going to be able to score points. I think Arkansas's offense will not score as many points as they did before that. And I just I, I see Auburn winning this game tonight. And I, I originally did not, but I think they're going to now just because I didn't realize how much Arkansas has kind of slid back throughout conference play. Um, and obviously, Auburn has Sharif Cooper now. They did not before. So I think uh, I think they're going to be ready to play against these guys. Zach, I appreciate you joining us on the show today. Tell everybody where they can find your stuff. Yeah, Locked on Auburn, wherever you get your podcast. And uh, yeah, check out today's. Noah was on it. it was, it's been one of my favorites that we've put up in the last few weeks. But yeah, we're there every day, just like you guys are here on on the line and you can uh, you can hear me every weekday morning on News Talk WANI from 6 to 9 that is 98.7 FM on your radio dial. Thanks bud. Also find him on Twitter at @zblackerby. Yes sir. Appreciate it my man. Another thank you to Zach Blackerby of the Locked On Auburn podcast for joining us on the show today. If you missed that conversation Go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you here on the show today. Keep up with all of the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page. Follow it on Twitter as well at Radio AL Sports. It's the place to be for Auburn and Alabama content as well as high school sports content. Once again, that's RadioAlabamaSports.net. Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater here with you on the line Philip Rivers in the NFL, most recently now of the Indianapolis Colts, but also spending the majority of his, what, 17-year career in the NFL. Obviously, he's he's better known as the San Diego Chargers quarterback. Philip Rivers is hanging it up, and he, he's headed off in, into retirement. And, and, and didn't he have something? I need to go and look this up real quick. Well, you basically do your eulogy for the guy. Philip Rivers, I think he's got something lined up after this, possibly some kind of coaching gig or something like that following up after this to, to move on. Because I remember seeing that going into this season for Philip Rivers as well. So so there's stuff in football on the other side of this for Philip Rivers. And I think it's here in the state of Alabama. So I am going to go check on that because I remember seeing that. But I feel like I heard that as well. So I think I think you're at least on the right track with that one. But yeah, uh, Philip Rivers retiring, It's it's a really big... It's a, it's a big blow to the NFL. I mean, he's a guy that's been around for a year. It's one of those nostalgia hits that happen to you, especially with us who grew up only really knowing Phillip Rivers is playing football. So it's it really comes down to, do you think he's going to be in the Hall of Fame now? You really wish you'd have got to see the guy get a ring. I mean, he had some of those talented teams in San Diego at the time, you know, that LaDainian Tomlinson years where they were just putting up all kinds of points. They could just never get it done. But what I'm going to remember Philip Rivers for most is all the stressful Sundays that man had to endure. It's every Sunday, down by eight, no no timeouts, has to go 80 yards down the field. And there there was nobody who endured more than Philip Rivers 
having to try to drive down the field with no timeouts, <laughs> down by eight. And no offensive line, and, and, no, and no help at like, wide receiver, and, and nothing. I mean, not to, he, he is the help. epitome of having to go to school uphill both ways, back and forth to school. He didn't have to. He didn't have any receiver help until the arm was already starting to deteriorate. deteriorate. I mean, when he tells his grandchildren stories about how he had to go uphill both ways to school i'm i would believe it because that guy had to endure a lot i, I think in i saw San Diego. i think i saw a fun quote today about him saying that he's ready to settle down with his wife and start a family jokingly as the guy who has like 19 kids and probably is going to have about 50 grandchildren to talk about all those stories of the nfl with him as well but again really great player just glad hate to see him go but it is time you know hang it up retire relax he had a great career just wish it could have gotten a ring for himself he's the next head coach now at saint michael catholic high school in fairhope alabama I, i've been to fairhope recently I, I, I missed the school but i've been there recently so i mean i, I know somebody who lives down there too so that's interesting i've yeah. I want to. I want to see how I'm going to be keeping up with it. Yeah, I want to see how that goes. I'm going to be keeping up with it this next high school football. It's a lot easier for us because we do live in the state of Alabama, so we can actually keep up with this a little bit, you know, easier than most. So I think this will be. uh, How cool is that, though? Like, imagine being a high school player. Exactly (laughs) that. That guy is now your coach. Now, now, you know, ten years from now, there's going to be a whole generation that's not going to appreciate it and is not going to know anything about it. But like right now, those guys, that is that is awesome. Imagine the quarterbacks on that roster that are going to get to play for that guy and receive that type of development that this might end up being the best trash talking team in Alabama high school football you know I mean and and, hey it fits when you're looking at when you're looking at Philip Rivers quick question here about Rivers then we got two-parter here and we got two minutes so you got to be quick here first question is he a hall of famer yes or no you shouldn't no, have no. to think about this. No off yes. the top of my head. I know it's off the yes. top of my head, but I could be wrong. I don't know. Yes, he is the Car- Carmelo Anthony of the NFL. Let me go get you his official stats and why and why I think he is a Hall of Famer. You look at you look at Melo, everybody regards Melo as a Hall of Famer. Now, of course, he's got he's got the ability to go and play in Olympics and he's got the multiple gold medals and whatnot, something that other other players haven't done. But Phillip Rivers had a career ninety five point two passer rating, sixty four thousand four hundred forty yards, four hundred twenty one touchdowns to only two hundred nine interceptions, and a career sixty five percent completion percentage. Put that man in the Hall of Fame. And once again, let me reiterate to you, he had to go up and down the field both ways with no offensive line, no receivers. The most help he had was earlier in his career with Ladanian uh, with Ladanian Thomas. I I can't get it out of my mouth with Tomlinson and uh and, and you know just and early on those Chargers teams were electric it's the back half of his career that are hurting him what's the ERA the earned ring average on Philip Rivers zero and no uh you can't do that and Dan Marino wouldn't have made the Hall of Fame keep Dan you know? Marino out there what did Dan Marino ever do I mean okay. he, didn't, he there, didn't do anything there, for the Dolphins there will be no Dan Marino heresy on the on the line podcast did, did, did Dan, they win a Super Dan, Bowl with him yeah, Dan, it was a waste of a career. Dan the Man Marino is a top ten quarterback all time in NFL history. As how far many as rings? talent is concerned, look, it, get off my lawn, how man. Many, how like, many rings? <laughs> I don't see any rings. Waste of time in Miami. No rings. Oh, get off my lawn. Philip Rivers is, is going to be a, a head football coach in Alabama high school football this upcoming year. That's huge. My second question was, where do the Colts go from here? Wait, Jacoby, Jacoby Brissett, Wait, uh, Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, not a bad idea. That does it for hour number one of On the Line. We go to hour number two. On the other side of this break, we'll be back in a few moments.
are on the line live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 1067. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM. If you missed the first hour, go and find it on the podcast. Just search On the Line, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcast, you can find us. Follow Levi and I on Twitter at Point Gardner and at Levi Fitzwater. Phone lines are open 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. It was a packed first hour. Talked about Sharif Cooper climbing up draft boards. They've got a game against Arkansas tonight. Alabama basketball annihilated LSU and we got another packed hour coming up for you. We also had a conversation with Zach Blackerby of Locked On Auburn podcast discussing some stuff Auburn football related guys taking big steps forward Jamie Sherwood headed off to the draft Cornelius Williams being the most recent hire for Auburn football they still have a place to go on that staff as well and we're all eagerly awaiting to see who takes that spot let's open up hour number two here back with Auburn basketball and we'll take a look at our Twitter poll that we've put up on at ESPN 1067. Once again, go and find that at ESPN 1067 on Twitter. Our on the line poll today How many games will Auburn basketball win to close out January? There are four games left. We've talked about this on the show. We touched on it briefly at the end yesterday, and then today I've already touched on it a little bit also. And 42 votes in right out the gates. We've got some heat coming in here. 48%, nearly half of the population are saying that Auburn will win out in the month of January. Did you people look at the schedule? And if you did, you're Han soloing this. You're saying, never tell me the odds, because Baylor, the number two team in the country, is amongst that group of four teams alongside another. That would be two ranked wins added to Auburn's resume there. Their only ranked wins of the year if Auburn were to pull it off. 48% of folks out there saying Auburn's going to win out in January. Call in, tell us, what do you think? Is Auburn going to win out in January? And if not, how many wins are are the Tigers going to take home this year? 29% said three. I'm I'm a little bit closer to that. 21% two. 2% said one. Hey, I like the fact that 2% said one because I think Auburn does win more than that. And I I think it starts tonight with a win against Arkansas. I, th- I think Auburn's going to win three games over this next group. I think Auburn will pull off the victory against Missouri. Things will cool off against Baylor. That Baylor team, they're smoking a lot of people. That mm. Baylor team knows how to play. Who is this Baylor team? Are they even any good? They haven't beaten any. Who have they beaten? Who have they beaten this year? I know what you're doing. Who have they beaten this year? Kansas? Okay. I mean, there are two biggest Stop tests that. against West Virginia and Texas got postponed. We haven't really seen them play a legitimate opponent. Who's to say that Auburn didn't get hot? Look at what they did in the in the non-conference. Didn't they beat Illinois? They beat Illinois, but who who's Illinois? Is Illinois but any good either? They're top 25 team also. Ah. I, I know what you're doing. This is the Dan Marino stuff all over again. Hey, don't get me started on him. I'll, get, <laughs> I'll go on a tangent again. But I, I honestly think Auburn has a better shot at that Baylor game than a lot of people are giving them credit for because I don't 
we haven't really seen this Baylor team get tested as of late. They played a good Kansas team, which and an okay good Kansas team, not a Kansas team of the past. You, we've noted this a lot during the show. A lot of the Blue Bloods aren't playing like Blue Bloods this year. And Baylor has been a good team this year. I say that all in jest. It's just they have not been tested as much as you would think from the number two team. And I think this Auburn team can win tonight against Arkansas. I think they should win against South Carolina. And if you win both of those games, you have a trip with Missouri at home, at home on your court where you've played a lot better. And if you win that game, watch out for the upset in Waco because I think that if this team gets hot, they really can pull it off. I don't think there is a, I don't think the talent gap is that big between Auburn and Baylor if you can add in a confidence factor. Now, if Auburn drops two of the next three, I think it's going to be a lot harder for them to win in Baylor. I don't think they're going to come in with a lot of confidence. I think Baylor probably probably smokes them a little bit. But I don't think it's out of the question to think they could come away with four wins. But also, Auburn fans should have tempered expectations and really expect two to three wins to be, be about what they're going to come out of this stretch as. Auburn against Arkansas tonight. That game, 8 p.m. SEC Network. This Arkansas team on a bit of a slide after beating the Tigers to open up SEC play. They are 1-4 over their last five games. Of course, Auburn, what are they, 3-2 and two over their last five games. They're winners of, right now, two in a row, trying to make it. Am I wrong on that? Is, it, is, is Auburn 2-3 and three in their last five? I'm checking for you right now. Just making sure, double checking. Well, either way, Arkansas one and four of their last. Auburn's at least won two out of their last three, having beaten yeah, two Kentucky. And, two out of three, yeah. Uh, yeah, Auburn, Auburn's beaten Kentucky and, and Kentucky, Georgia, Georgia this, and then lost Alabama. Right, yeah. and then they were still on the losing streak before then. So yeah, I guess it it has been two and three over their last five games, and then two out of their last three here um, over this three game stretch. Auburn has won, taking on Arkansas tonight once again, eight p.m. SEC Network. Arkansas, though, the teams they've lost to are very good basketball teams in the SEC. By SEC standards, they're very good SEC teams. They lost to the top of what this SEC has to offer this year. So, But most recently, getting blown out on Saturday 90-59 is not something that you're going to take into this game with confidence, losing by 31. But then again, Alabama's beating everybody by 30-plus points at the moment. The big thing in this game that we have to look at for Arkansas, and just kind of running through the scouting report here, this Arkansas team is a top 20 team in terms of tempo. This team likes to push the basketball. They're one of the fastest teams in college basketball, according to KenPom.com's rankings, those nerd stats. Levi, I know you're headed right now to go and get us some of what's going on with the lines, with the spread, what's going on out in Vegas. Auburn right now, they're pushing the ball. The pace has been increasing since SEC play has started. I don't think Auburn playing against Arkansas in this game as far as tempo is as much of a stretch as it was when Auburn opened SEC play with them. Auburn's a whole lot more confident with a fast-paced game than they were at the beginning of SEC play because of who they've got handling the basketball. Everybody's more comfortable handling the basketball considering Sharif Cooper's the one who's been ball-dominant recently. That's going to help Auburn in this one, but the big difference and the reason why Auburn lost to Arkansas the first time, 19 turnovers... Auburn had the first time against Arkansas. 13 steals for the Razorbacks. Defense turned into offense, and that was the difference there. 12-point difference in that ballgame. 97-85, Auburn was losers. You talked about that way back at the beginning of the show a couple of weeks ago when Auburn did lose to them. You said, look, it it just kind of looked like they shrank 
when it got to crunch time. You're 100% correct, but I think we are done seeing this Auburn team shrink based on what we saw this past weekend against Kentucky. This Auburn team looks like they are ready to take steps forward, especially in the turnover department. It really seems like this is a different – I mean, it's obvious that this is a different Auburn team that Arkansas is facing against. I mean, no Shreve Cooper, the first matchup. and Well, no tonight, though. I I said at the beginning of the show that this is an exorcism game. Turnovers, that's Auburn's demon. Auburn's demon is named turnovers, and they have to find a way to get it out. they got to get rid of it. If this team's going to improve this year, leaps and bounds, turnovers – have to go away and tonight's the night where you do it there there are a few teams better than Arkansas at turning opposing teams over because they're scrappy they're long they get after you and they're one of the fastest teams in, in, in basketball tonight is the night where you prove that you're that you are better than what you were at the beginning of SEC play it, Kentucky wasn't it Georgia wasn't it tonight is the night where you prove that I haven't seen anything I've been trying to look up over here is there any news on Justin Powell for tonight He's still day-to-day. So yesterday, Bruce Pearl had his press conference, and he had a little bit of a, a, I don't want to say run-in, but there there was a little bit of a, it's not a run-in, but there was a conversation between him and um, Bob Holt at at Arkansas, a long-time Arkansas. He's been covering Arkansas for a while, and he was asking about Justin Powell, and Bruce Pearl heavily reiterated over and over again Justin Powell is day-to-day going into this matchup and you're not going to know nobody's going to know if Justin Powell is playing until right around game time I mean and that sounds about right I mean why why show your hand and also I, mean, I think if it's he's, more than that I think they literally just don't they, know they need to see how he can perform to see if he's good enough to go and just to kind of go back on what you said about the lines Auburn did open up as a four and a half point underdog it went kind of stabled around five five and a half now it's all the way to six and a half so what does that mean so a lot of bets have been going in on Arkansas a lot of money's been going in on Arkansas a lot of bets have been going on Arkansas as it looks right now this is all subject to change what I'm looking at right now says that about 61 percent of bets at this six and a half line are going to Arkansas while the Tigers are receiving about 39 percent which as we know I'm a big fan of fading the public when it comes to looking at lines like this. Anytime I see a three in terms of percentage, any kind of 30 percentage on a team, that usually just kind of lights my lights me up to think Auburn should be closer in this game than six and a half. They should be. I think the line honestly should be around five, 5.2 for most of the models that I looked at. And it just makes a lot of sense. I believe that Auburn's going to go in there and win this game. We'll get to that in a little bit. But also, I think that they, it'll be a close game. I think they're going to limit the turnovers. I think this is the night that they really get it together on the road. They grow up. They don't turn the ball over. And they keep it close. Does that result in a win? I think personally it does. But that's going to be yet to be seen. Also asked of Bruce Pearl, as you know, can this team carry the same type of offensive output that they did in the first game? Of course, that game was in Auburn Arena can they carry that same type of output on the road? I think that's also been. I think that also remains to be seen for the Auburn basketball team. What type of team is this team on the road in a in a place truly as hostile as Fayetteville is in basketball? It's it's as tough as it, as it comes in the SEC playing in that arena, especially if there were fans there, it'd be even tougher. I I dread seeing the road Arkansas basketball game on an Auburn basketball schedule just because of the history of the the basketball program at Arkansas. It is a tough, 
tough program to play on the road with as much as they love their basketball out there. But this year's obviously different. There's not going to be the same type of fan pressure on that ball game. But it's still, as you put out, you played high school basketball. You know about this. Sight lines are very important in basketball. You've played the game. It's not like fan pressure in high school. It's not like the, the atmosphere and the ambience of a game is really going to affect you as much in high school because there's less fans. It doesn't get as loud, right? That's not as big of a deal. But sight lines do, do play a factor. And this Auburn team, I think, is still trying to figure out themselves on the road. And I feel like I say that every year with Auburn basketball. That, uh, it's just it's because they have relied so much on shooting the three, and they still do. This team is still at the heart of what they do is shoot the basketball, shoot the basketball. But what this team has added recently with Sharif Cooper is the ability to get good looks down low because of his, of his drive and dish game. And it also opens up a lot of those threes out wide when you know the They're defense colli- collapses. And again, law of averages, if you shoot enough of them, you get enough open looks, something's got to fall eventually, even when you're on the road. The one stat that really does scare me is Auburn this year, 1-3 and three on the road. You have Arkansas 9-1 and one at home. So it is... We, I mean, we is that what the line's pushing up so high? I would, people I would are looking assume, at some of those trends. I would assume a lot of people probably take that into heavy consideration. You got anything on Arkansas against the spread this year? I can. So they're against the spread record at home. They are five, three, and one against the spread at home. Uh, that's a pretty average. And their last, and over their last ten, they are four, four, and one against the spread. So again, pretty average. So you can't get anything out. Can't get anything out of that. What about Auburn against the spread? Auburn against the spread on the road, one and three. Yeah. So again, same record as their straight up record. And then their last ten, they are five, four, and one. Auburn is, however, three, zero, oh, and one against the spread in their last four games following a, an against-the-spread win, which is really good. but also, So the tendency with Sharif Cooper coming on to this, on this team is Auburn is outperforming what Vegas thinks Auburn will. Yes, and I think a lot of the— That'll, it, return, that'll return back to, uh, it'll, to equilibrium. It'll, it'll equal—yeah, it'll Not equal Not because of out. Sharif, but because Vegas is going gonna, is gonna to set this yes. up in a way to where they, they don't lose, right? Yes. So, I, I remember I, a guy who I follow on Twitter was talking about how he— really liked Georgia against Auburn and just completely neglected to handicap the fact that Sharif Cooper is now a thing for Auburn and didn't adjust his rankings. And again, I think a lot of people did that when they were betting on Auburn the past few games. And I think eventually Vegas is going to figure out that line. Is it tonight? Is this the game that they get it right and Arkansas wins it? Or does Auburn come up and get the upset? Phone lines are open, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. We'll see you on the other side of this break. We'll be back with more of On the Line. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Phone lines are open, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Put that in your contacts. And all you got to do is click on it and say, go, call. It's an easy way to do it. Call us, please. Come 100%. talk to us. Yeah, we want to know. We want to know what you want to talk about. And uh, we always have had good discussions when people have called in and had some really good remarks and have, and have gone down and has created some really good content. And so we want to hear from you and what you want to talk about. Think up something. Hypotheticals, I'm always down for hypotheticals. Always. So make sure to call in. That's, that's radio. That's sports radio. That is. We get hypotheticals is what we do. So that's right. Again, call in. You know what? Give them the number again. 
Give him the number again. Tell 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're really passionate about that. I like talking to people. That's right. Follow ESPN 106.7 on Facebook and Twitter to keep up with the latest going on at the station. On the line, The Drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more. That's all on ESPN 106.7. Find the website on ESPNAU.com. Just wrapped up a conversation talking about Auburn, Arkansas. We went through the scouting report with this team. We also had a deep dive into the spread and the line. and What's looking at it as far as betting is concerned moving on into this game around the country and the way people are viewing it. It's always insightful to see how places outside Alabama are viewing this game uh, from an analytical standpoint. You can go and find that on the podcast as well if you missed that conversation. Something I want to move forward about in the show, we talked with Zach Blackerby in the first hour, and we brought up uh, something with him late in that conversation was about Bo Nix and his development moving forward as a quarterback at Auburn. Shane asked us about this maybe last week, I think, about Bo Nix and some of how he, he's going to develop as a quarterback. And Zach brought up a very valid point that a lot of Bo Nix's issues up to this point may very well have been scheme issues and how he was being used. It's funny. We give wide receivers a pass. We give running backs and, and, and players on defense a pass for scheme and usage. Like, we, we're, we're giving TD Moultrie a pass because they, they took this athletic beast at inside linebacker in high school and made him gain weight and play on the defensive line. You know, we give players all across this team. We give tight ends a pass because they never get used. Teams, you know, all over this roster, we give guys a pass on this team because of how they're used, except for quarterback. And maybe, just maybe, and you want to go down a hypothetical trail right here? I'm maybe, here for it. Let's go. Maybe, just maybe, Auburn's issues with quarterback have been maybe even more than just development. Maybe it's been usage. Maybe it's been how they've been used, and we're so quick to judge the quarterback position with, with so much scrutiny that maybe it really has been usage when it, when it comes down to, to Bo Nix right now. Your thoughts on that? Is it usage? Is it Bo Nix? You know, what, what, what really has it been that there just hasn't quite been the connection there between Bo Nix, receivers, this passing game, this coaching staff, just everybody seems disconnected. Nobody's plugged in. If if I'm being 100% honest with my opinion, I think it's really the perfect storm of all of it. I think he hasn't really... Cop out. It's a little <laughs> bit of a cop out. I Again, I mean, when he was coming out of high school, people said he was bred in a lab to run the Gus Malzahn offense. But what is that? What does that even mean? What is the Gus Malzahn offense? Because I think that lost texture I, th- I think that lost meaning somewhere midway through Malzahn's tenure I think it lost identity somewhere through it when he came in you thought of his offense as or at least the way I perceived it was a mobile quarterback w- with a run heavy it was triple option out of the shotgun that and, ended in 2015 and I think the reason I think that's what happened I think he lost that identity and when but he lost why? it I don't think he ever got guys that he felt comfortable running the system the way it used to run. I don't think he had a guy like Nick Marshall, which Bo Nix, Bo Nix is mobile. Sean White was mobile. They just weren't Nick Marshall running ability. They weren't Cam Newton running ability. And I think that caused Gus Malzahn to shift the offense a little bit. And he never really got it on track of what he wanted to do. He kind of fell in this limbo of, do I want to be run heavy? Do I want to pass more? And he never really found a balance in between. And the years where Auburn was able to run the football, 
even without getting production from the quarterback as much as he was, like, say, a Jarrett Stidham year, where they were able to run the football very well, it still just didn't feel like they – it just it never felt on rhythm. It never felt like Gus knew what he wanted to do with the offense. There were games where you would see Bo Nix have a lot of read option looks and get a lot of good yards, and then you would see him not get those looks or you would see it go to a more quick pass game and we're not really intermediate but maybe a lot of bubble screens you would see a lot of just and maybe that's just scheming for your opponent maybe I'm overlooking into that but I just felt like there was never really a consistency like you said from around 2015 2016 onward with the Auburn offense and I think Bo Nix didn't benefit I mean obviously you're not going to benefit from that at all if there's not a real identity on offense especially when you're a young quarterback who's trying to develop their skills and go to the next level so I think there was just a lack of identity there a lack of development as well coupled with that but I mean it could be said I mean it could be just a scheme a lack of a scheme fit not even just that like he Bo Nix probably just didn't fit the scheme I don't believe it was I don't believe that well okay I get what you're saying there he doesn't fit it's not that Bo Nix didn't fit the scheme it's that Auburn did not fit the scheme to Bo Nix. Yes. It's yes. that Auburn did not fit the scheme to the players that they had. Talking about identity with Auburn's offense and why it's of the utmost importance that Auburn puts together an identity on the offensive side of the ball is, it never felt like Malzahn was setting something up. It never felt like, they, or whoever was calling the plays, whatever that saga was, it never felt like Auburn was... It just never felt like Auburn was building towards something. It never felt like Auburn was building up towards something. You watch Bill Belichick in the NFL with his game plans and his play calling. Everything is called for an exact reason. Everything. Everything. It, it is to accentuate something else. Auburn, there. I mean, you even saw, do you remember two years ago, 2018, there's a video of Jeremy Pruitt calling out, you know, what play Auburn was about to run next. You know, Jordan Rodgers even broke down some stuff about that Tennessee game, too. I remember about how predictable the Auburn offense was just based off of sets they got into. And of course, people, predictability is going to ring a bell with everybody with that offense. That's so important for Auburn moving forward is to, is to establish an identity, establish a scheme, and, and fit it. Even Just even going into a year, even if it has to change, just make sure you're fitting it to the guys that you have. And it just never felt like Auburn fit it to their quarterback never felt like they tried to accentuate his skills they never kept it simple they never did they always made it the most difficult it could possibly be on a quarterback teams knew that the ball was going outside the numbers teams knew if you could defend the perimeter on Auburn which most teams could because they had the athletes to do it Auburn didn't have the perimeter wide receivers to do it Eli Stove and Seth Williams are not the most shifty wide receivers in the world Eli Stove great sure-handed natural wide receiver Seth Williams spectacular catch guy but they just were not they were not possession or or possession not is not the right word they were not they just weren't shifty with the ball in their hands able to create their own space they weren't great when the ball was finally tucked away that was it and so that that, why would you give those guys bubble screens you're gonna get three yards at best it got to the point where I saw a bubble screen and I was like three yards okay that's fine sure but why would you choose to have bubble screen for three yards consistently when you could have Tank Bixby for three plus yards? You know, I mean, Tank Bixby, you're like, yeah, he'll for sure get three yards on average. You know, you look at his average, that's easy. 
So it just never felt like anything was connected in the offense. And I think that may have been a little bit for why there's disconnect for Bo Nix. Now it's so important with this new coaching staff coming in. It's more than just about development for the guy. I think we've seen the potential. Now it's about giving this offense an an identity that's going to accentuate his skill set. What do you think that offense is? I think it's going to be a little bit more West Coast, a little bit on the move, because Bo Nix seems to be really comfortable when he's outside the pocket. I think it's going to be a lot like what you saw with how Brian Flores handled Tua Tungvaluwa this year with the Miami Dolphins, where you have him on a little, on a few bootouts, on a little bit of moving pockets, because that's where Bo Nix has shown a little bit of flourishing, and it really also it also it kind of negates one of the downsides of Bo Nix, which has been he hasn't wanted to stay in the pocket. Well, move the pocket and move him on the outside again. I think it's going to be run a lot of run run heavy you're going to see a lot of 12 personnel that a lot more than you've ever seen at Auburn in the past few years and I think it's going to start with the running game but I think it's going to be extended off of that I think it's going to build towards something like you said you're going to run to build the play action you're going to throw to build some running game it's going to build off of each other instead of just not going anywhere not and I, I hope coach Harson uses the players he has you you noted it you're throwing bubble screens to guys like Seth Williams which it doesn't make sense you don't see for really example wasn't as much as Seth Williams as Eli Stove yes. a lot though did not need to happen you don't watch the Buccaneers and see in the NFL and see Tom Brady throw a bubble screen to Mike Evans instead no. of Chris Godwin and, and also bubble screens didn't know they, they tried to use Anthony Schwartz a lot behind the line of scrimmage and, and sure like jet sweeps I guess but like that's a guy I want with his straight line. He's a straight line speed guy. He's not a he's not necessarily a lateral speed guy. And you're trying to turn a track star into a wide receiver throughout his time at Auburn. He's a guy that you have to stretch the field out for, and they didn't do that enough. I just never felt like Auburn used any of their offensive weapons. Auburn has had weapons on offense. They have had weapons, and they just never used them correctly. And that ends up being the demise of the previous coaching staff. Friend of the program, Christian Page of CoverOne.net, just texted me midway through this segment. Appreciate the listenership, my man. This is what he said. Gus never knew what he wanted at quarterback. Incredible difference in QB recruits during his tenure. That's, that's, that's so true. That is very, very so true. true. You they would were see all vastly different. You would see dual threat guys who were just lightning. John Franklin third. Then you'd see pocket passer guys wanting to come in. It just never made sense. Great point. Great point. More of On the Line on the other side of this break. We got college basketball predictions coming up. Auburn, Arkansas, who are you taking? Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. On the line with Noel Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We got 30 minutes left in today's show. Coming up after us on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and on ESPN 106.7. You got the drive with Bill Cameron coming up after us as it does every weekday from 4 to 6 p.m. Stay with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck. They'll take your calls. They'll talk Auburn Athletics, SEC and beyond as well as we are now here on the show. And I tease this coming in. We got college basketball predictions to make this segment uh we'll get to that in just a moment but i want to go back to our twitter poll here 
at ESPN 106.7 on the line poll. How many games will Auburn basketball win to close out January? Four games remaining here. 70 votes are in. We got 1% say one. There you go. I like that. There's the optimism. 19% say two. It gets hotter as we go. 36% say three. And we're not done yet. Four fire emojis, baby. 44% win, baby, win. Four wins. People say 44%. I'm here for it. I'm here for it, too. That's a lot. I'm part of that 44%. Are you really? I believe so. I think think they're going to beat Baylor. I think they beat Arkansas. Again, I haven't been impressed by Baylor as much this year. And, if again, it's really – it depends on how they play over the next three games. As of right now, I think they can go and beat Arkansas, beat South Carolina – get hot, play Missouri, and then they go into that game with a lot of confidence. And who's to say they can't upset Baylor because Baylor hasn't been tested as much as you would think. I mean, yes, early game against Illinois, they handled them well. But again, Texas Tech and Kansas are their most recent ones, and both of those are relatively close games. Didn't play West Virginia, didn't play Texas. So who's to say that Auburn can't go in there if they get hot if they look good over the next few games I reserve the right to change my mind depending (laughs) on how they play over the next few games because I'm the way I'm envisioning this I'm telling the story the story that Auburn goes in and wins tonight they they beat South Carolina they're getting hot Missouri comes to town they beat Missouri and then they're on a little win streak they go in they're playing the number two team they're hyped for it they play out of their mind and they upset the Bears Let's get into some college basketball picks now here on Online. We made some picks yesterday. We tried to do them in the midweek and then also leading in to Saturday. We'll have NFL picks coming up later as well. It was a bad day yesterday, for me at least. I went two and four. I was wrong about Alabama. Tennessee got smacked. They got they they got body slammed. 75-49. I went two and four. You went three and three, though. You you got me. The only one we picked different on was the was the Florida Tennessee game. Good pick, man. 50%. I, I don't think you were expecting 75-49. Oh, no, not at know. all. <laughs> not we got all. five games here going on tonight. Providence at number 11, Creighton, 6 p.m. FS1. What you thinking? I think Creighton's probably going to be without uh, Zagorowski, who's been scoring around 14.1. What a name. What a name. I was nervous about that one. I was I was sitting over here like, should I just say it? Should I not say it? I went with it. Creighton's nine-and-a-half-point favorites. I think... I think they'll win. I think Creighton wins, but I think it's close. I think without Zegarowski, I think it's going to be a close game, which has been seen between them and Providence here lately. Providence also probably going to be without Bynum, so it might be... I think Creighton wins, but it's going to be close. A lot like how I thought Villanova was going to win yesterday over Seton Hall, but it was going to be close. Again, shout-outs to Seton Hall plus 9.5. But yeah, I think Creighton wins. I think it's close. So if you want to take the betting line, take Providence plus 9.5 or wherever it's sitting at right now. Providence on a skid right now. Three-game three, three game losing streak, but this, Desperate. Show, Desperate. this show is a show of law of averages. <laughs> Desperate team. Yeah, that is true. And sometimes the desperation can, can pull you out of a losing streak. I like this Creighton team to win this game, though. Offensively sharing the basketball better by a whole three assists. Now, that may not seem like a lot, but in stats and in averages there, three assists is a huge difference. That's six points. That could be nine points. That, that's that's three whole possessions right, na- right there that they're assisting the basketball more than Providence is. This Creighton team offensively uh, just in a better place right now that, than where Providence is because Providence 69 against Marquette, 73 against Xavier. They lost to Creighton three games ago starting this losing streak they only scored 65 on that one that one was back at providence this time 
it's in uh, I guess Creighton's in Omaha, right? So yep. it's in Omaha. As John Roth as John Rothstein says, it's somewhere in middle America. So I'll take Creighton. You've got Creighton as well. Yeah, I got Creighton as there. well. All right. I'm gonna need to, to pick differently. Creighton, you, Creighton you know? with the win, Providence to cover. Okay, I see it. Spicy. Wake Forest at North Carolina, 6 p.m. ACC Network. All right, now this is going to make no sense for a lot of people, but Wake Forest has been playing a little bit better as of late. Bottom of the barrel in the ACC. Bottom of the barrel. They did. Only way you can go is up. Only lose to four average or against Virginia Tech, but they did get beat by Duke by 11. I don't think this Duke team's very good. North Carolina has been playing a lot of close games. They're not very good. They're not ranked either. Talk so about the line. So obviously, North Carolina, 11 and a half point favorites, and nobody is taking that line. So you know what that tells me? North Carolina wins big tonight. Fade the public. Big win for the Tar Heels. Garrison Brooks, Auburn High School product. Yes, sir. Playing for the Tar Heels. It was a preseason ACC selection there. I like this North Carolina team, too. Much better basketball team than Wake. Wake is uh, struggling. North Carolina's not... Not not doing great, but not they're doing not, bad. But they're not but as bad off as Wake Forest is right now. They're definitely not as bad off as they were last year either. So we got two UNCs there. SEC, Kentucky at Georgia, 6 p.m. SEC Network. I'm going out on a limb here. I think this line should be a lot closer. They got Georgia plus four at home. I think it should probably set around two. I think the money line is sitting at 161. I think it should probably be plus 114. It's going to be a lot closer. It gives that betting edge about eight eight percent so if you're looking to bet i think there's a lot of value there at georgia plus four or even sprinkling a little bit of money line at plus 161 so i'm gonna take the dogs i'm gonna go with the upset kentucky every time i try to defend them they come out they make me look stupid i'm tired of defending them i'm going with the dogs here they make they just make me look like i'm dumb i keep i said they were my dark horse i sure. said they were going to get it all together they're not I'm, I'm done with them i'm going with the dogs today I'm gonna I'm gonna side with you there too. Something about this Georgia team, you know, it, it, against Auburn, they brought back one of their top freshmen that's been missing some time this year. He's gotten some eligibility back also, and for some reason the name is is skipping in, in my brain right now, and I work on finding that. But this Georgia team with the addition of a guard that they desperately were, were missing, I think offensively you've seen them look better. They beat Ole Miss over the weekend. I'll take Georgia in this one as well to beat Kentucky at home, whereas Kentucky right now is struggling so bad on offense, only 11 assists per game, 42% from the floor, 67 points a game. I think this one favors Georgia at home too. That, that's that's a great pick there. We'll keep it going now. You got Northwestern at number 10, Wisconsin, 7 p.m., Big Ten Network. I think we're both going to side on this one probably the same. It's hard to win on the road in the Big Ten. Wisconsin just got off of that two-game road stretch. They're 11.5-point favorites. Northwestern on a five-game skid has lost by an average of 18.4 points per game over that time. Wisconsin dominated the series recently. I think they've won the last four, last five, something like that. I will take Wisconsin, and I'll lay the points. And I will lay those points. I will lay the Wisconsin 11.5. I think they probably win by about 15 to 20. That is a lofty difference there. Wisconsin's defense is the big thing that jumps off the page. Northwestern allowing 72 a game. Wisconsin allowing 62 a game. And they're really not giving up a whole lot of ground uh, on scoring. Wisconsin notable for playing a very slow brand of basketball. I had a high school teacher that said that they played Satan's brand of basketball. <laughs> you know, you know, whittle the shot down to the shot clock down to like three seconds and then just shack up a prayer and it drains, you know, and that's this Wisconsin team still, and we've seen them get, get bumped for it by some teams in the Big Ten this year. But I, I still think, despite some some losses to Michigan and Maryland here, I still think this Wisconsin team is is 
is a deep team in Big Ten play. So I'll take Wisconsin at home alongside you. And now our last pick here, Auburn at Arkansas, 8 p.m. SEC Network. So are we going to go the same here? Are we going to yeah, are we gonna both, are clean, we going to go straight? Today. I'm going gonna, Auburn. Yeah, I say I'm taking Auburn too. I think they put it together. I think they limit the turnovers. This again, a different team than the first time they met. And even that game, they were in close toward they they were in that game. You just limit those turnovers, and that's a completely different ball game. And the score ended up being a little bit worse than how close it was throughout. Again, give me Sharif Cooper. I think he gets it together. They turn the ball over less. It. It really just comes down to, are they going to not turn the ball over? Are they going to be able to put up enough offense on the road? You know, we talked about it. The sight lines, it's hard. It's a tough place to play. Again, lack of fans is going to help that better. So I'll take the Tigers, take them in the upset. Again, I think this line should be about five. So if you want to be safe, I would take the points in that one if you're looking to bet on that. Auburn absolutely has to avoid turnovers. No way fans, butts about it. That's no how chance. they lost the first one. 19 turnovers to 10 was the turnover battle the last time against Arkansas. There is no path to victory if Auburn loses the turnover battle. I'll say by a substantial margin. And by a substantial margin, I say if Auburn turns it over five five times or more than Arkansas, I don't see Auburn winning this game. But I think those days are past Auburn. I've labeled this game as an exorcism game for Auburn. What does that mean? This is the game where you truly do know has Auburn taken a step forward in the in the areas that they need to to improve as a basketball team. They will do it. They will they will not I won't say that they will win the turnover the turnover battle, but I, I'm not gonna say that they're going to, you know, handily lose it. This Arkansas team, twentieth in tempo according to KenPom.com, so they're extremely fast. They're as good as it comes in terms of in steals per game. They had 13 against Auburn the first go-round. 8.4 steals per game. What Arkansas does well is typically what has made Auburn uncomfortable. But there, there's a big thing that's changed since the last time that Auburn played Arkansas. It's the addition of Sharif Cooper and that the Tigers can finally handle a basketball at open floor. And we've seen Auburn's pace of play increase with it. So I like Auburn to win this game. I think that they're going to be a lot more comfortable when it comes to the late stages of this one. And this Arkansas team right now, I don't know how they can feel comfortable right now after getting blown out by Alabama 90-59 to over the weekend. They're losers of four of their last five. I guess the, the best teams the SEC has to offer, of course, Missouri, Tennessee, LSU, Alabama, those were all the teams that beat them. But a lot of them weren't even close. I don't see how this Arkansas team goes into this game feeling comfortable feeling confident after what they've had to endure these last five I think of course they're thinking about this game and that oh you know we can get back into the winning column today and if they underestimate Auburn they're wrong to do so because Auburn with Sharif Cooper Auburn with Sharif Cooper right now looks like they're a top six team in the SEC they really do they look like they can be in that category we're gonna find out at the end of this month of January after what Auburn's about to go through this is the first game, and I definitely think it's the most attainable win of the difficult matchups they'll be facing. But I'm going to take Auburn to win this one, and then next week in the midweek after, I think Auburn will beat South Carolina as well over the weekend. After you go through it, you know, a four-game winning streak, what does next week look like when you're playing two top 25 teams? I'm just hoping that Auburn wins these next two so that next week, ooh, what, what be, do you think that week's going to be billed as? You be know? happy with two of four. If they go two out of those four, you should be happy as an Auburn That's fan. right. We'll wrap up the show here on the other side of this break with more of On the Line. Last segment of On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater with you, wrapping it up here on ESPN 106.7 on Fox Sports Central Alabama, 98.3 FM. The Drive with Bill Cameron will follow us after the show today. Make sure you stick around for that for 4 to 6 p.m. weekdays. 
get get going with it. You know, with, with, with Bill Cameron and with Dan Peck, they'll take your calls as well. So that'll be on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Follow Fox Sports Central Alabama on Facebook to keep up with the latest going on in sports. On the line, the drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more, all on Fox Sports Central Alabama, on FoxSports983.com, and on Facebook. That's Fox Sports. 983.com let's go over what's on tv tonight Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. Some may find this nerdy, but seriously, try it out. BattleBots Mega Fights is on the Science Channel with a new episode from 8 to 10. Reminds me of Robot Combat League, and I'm still shocked that didn't work out. I mean, who doesn't like 8-foot robots battling each other? A movie selection for tonight stars Robin Williams and Jumanji on Sci-Fi at 8. And live sports starting with college basketball at the 6 p.m. time slot. Providence at number 11, Creighton on FS1. On SEC Network, Kentucky looks to break a two-game skid on the road against Georgia at 7 on Big Ten Network. Number 10, Wisconsin hosts Northwestern. Three games at 8 p.m., Colorado at Washington on ESPN2, Fresno State at Boise State on FS1, and Auburn and Arkansas on SEC Network. Two NBA games are on ESPN starting at 6 with a Northeast rivalry between the Celtics and the 76ers at 8.30 and out west for the Suns and the Rockets. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Seriously though, I, I can't believe Robot Combat League didn't work out. It only went, it only ran for like one season on Sci-Fi. I was I was so hyped when I saw that because Real Steel. I'm sure everybody's seen the movie with Hugh Jackman, Real Steel, or at least you know what I'm talking about. It and that movie, I, at the time when it came out, I, I was super pumped. I really enjoyed that movie. I mean, it was Rocky with robots. So, I mean, it was the Rock, it was the Rocky movie, but applied to giant robots and then they take it and they turn it into a tv show where these people made these giant eight foot you know thousand pound steel robots that people actually controlled with like exosuits like they would be ringside fighting i i don't know how this show didn't make it people were not ready for that i've never even heard i've never even heard of it we were talking about that we were talking about that during the break i've never even heard of it so i don't know how it it was I don't know how it didn't make it. Who does not want to watch that? Is that what you're gonna be watching tonight? Well, it's not that anymore. It's BattleBots. <laughs> and BattleBots, you know, is like a little foot tall, you know. Now, granted, it's fun to watch. Okay. I'm always it's just here not, to see, it's not know, to the maximum level you know, of what machinery that was. getting yeah. destroyed by a giant saw. I mean, bring it on, you know. Yep. Let, let's put Carnage on, on the science channel, you know. I actually really do enjoy watching BattleBots, but how did Robot Combat League not make it i can't imagine and you know what i'm watching tonight you already know i forgot my bad it wasn't in there and you're gonna start talking to because it is wednesday and everybody knows that wednesday is the masked Masked dancer dancer night you have that podcast coming along you have the it's getting there i mean it's it's in the process i'm talking to a lot of sponsors right now i'm getting it going i mean you got the tulip one of the front runners maybe addison ray maybe charlie d'amelio who knows but the tulip and the only one you got the cricket exotic bird and hammerhead Bringing the heat tonight. I'm assuming Hammerhead is a shark. Yes. Okay. That's the only cool name. Like, literally, like, we couldn't have came up with something better than Tulip. Hey, Tulip's is the front runner. Don't be surprised if Tulip wins the whole thing. Okay. I'm just saying. Sure. Don't know who it is. <laughs> That's the lure. I'm going to be watching around, and I hope you guys are, too. Probably got a lot of better things to watch tonight, you know, considering... Auburn basketball on the road at Arkansas. Arkansas, right. (laughs) And our official predictions on that, Auburn to defeat Arkansas. We got about four minutes left in the show. We briefly talked about Bo Nix a couple of segments ago, but we went really in-depth with it with Zach Blackerby in the first hour. Get the podcast wherever you find 
your podcast. We're there for you on the line. Go back, hear that conversation, go back and get the rest of the show if you missed other parts of it coming in late. I understand it, but uh, let's talk about the biggest issue facing Bo Nix and this coaching staff moving forward. What is it? We talked about so far up to this point that Bo Nix hasn't really had an offense that that had an identity. He he may have been misused up to this point. We we have we've seen it all so far in the first two years with Bo Nix. We've seen it all under Gus Malzahn with, with the way that players were used. What is the biggest challenge facing this new coaching staff with their quarterback? I think it might be receivers. Like, is it? it it's got to be fair to assume that he's taking a big receiver hit this year, losing the top three guys. So maybe. I, I think that might be a big issue moving forward with him. He's really going to have to develop some chemistry, some rapport with some of these guys in the offseason. And again, third different offensive coordinator for Bo Nix. That I is think huge. that's what it is. That is huge. I think it's that or offensive line. Yesterday our Twitter poll was asking which position group people thought was going to make the biggest jump. Far and above, and I, I was actually kind of shocked by this result. I actually thought that some of these groups would be closer overwhelmingly 59 percent offensive line next closest was 20 percent to quarterbacks and I think those two go hand in hand I think that's almost 79 percent there for the two areas that Auburn really needs to see see a big jump 16 percent went to receivers tight ends which was our selection I think we just I think that 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 position group will make the biggest leap because you go from no production with tight ends to now you're going to have I think substantial production at the position in terms of pass catching so I think that's the group that you really see the largest jump in. Like multiple guys could be used in that offense and, and actually catch passes and be used in the offense. I mean, that that I can't stress that enough, that it will actually be a part of it. At least I expect it to be. But I think offensive line's a big deal for him. I think that's a big challenge facing. Pass protection was not great this year for Bo Nix. Sometimes he left the pocket too early. Sometimes the pocket did not exist, right? It's sometimes there was no there was no chance. Sometimes you, when you get the ball and it's right there, all that pressure is in your face. Sometimes you have no choice but to to scramble right. out of it, and then that causes what you've called the phantom pressure, where you start seeing ghosts, a la Sam Darnold, where you're just expecting it to be there even when it's not because you've been hit that way so many times, and it really gets into a young developing quarterback's head. So I don't know if I don't know if the line will be shored up just from one year to the other but it's 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 going to be hard next year too so like that's going to be a really big factor new offensive coordinator on his third one the line and the lack of experience from receiver those are three big things that are working against Bo Nix next year this will test how good of a quarterback he is and if he can carry this team with all of that going against him some guys just need discipline and a firm hand I'm not talking about that with Bo Nix's personality I'll talk about that more with this game. This offense needs an identity. This offense needs a framework. I think if the offense has a framework that he can that he can get into, an identity that he can get into, it will fix a lot of his issues that he has. Some people talk about leaving the pocket too early, like we are right now. Some of his some of his tendencies to throw off the back of his foot with his mechanics. I think some structure can do him a lot of good because there's been no structure in his college career. There's been zero structure two different play callers two different coordinators since he's been here no real quarterback developer other than chad morris and once again this year what is that guy ever done what has he done what's he done hold on 
Taj Boyd had a big jump with him, but I get it. I get it. Recently, what have you done for me yeah, lately? Recently, yes, recently. What have we done for you lately? We just put on a two-hour show, and there's two more, two more hours of local sports talk radio coming out with The Drive with Bill Cameron. That does it for another edition of By the Line. We'll be back with you tomorrow, same time, same place. You know where to find us.